Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. It's Af Malhotra on Straight Talk with Af. Once again, I bring you a tremendous guest, and this time it is someone who is pioneering education, creating one of the most enriching virtual learning experiences that you will see uh, in in the education sector today, and perhaps a field and a paradigm shift that could that could transform the way we educate our children. Now, I will make this ultra clear, and you will agree with me that if I was to ask you to right now, what are the three big transformations in the technology sector? Many of you, you as my guests, as straight talkers would, right at the top of your head right now, say, well, it's it's the cellular revolution, it's the, the information revolution, it's the the AI revolution. It's the mobile phone, five um, G smartphone revolution. It's this and it's that. And there is a long list of technological shifts that you'll be able to share. And if I ask you the same question, but I change the sector to education, I think you might be scratching your heads. So, and that there lies the biggest problem and opportunity for us. Welcome to my guest today. Kristin Schroff, CEO of Prisma, a digital school, a virtual learning experience, and something that has totally captivated me. And it was necessary for me to bring Kristen on the show today. So Kristen, welcome. Thank you for dialing in from the United States. I know you're in Charlotte. Over to you. Tell us who you are. And then I just want to go straight into this fascinating venture that you're pioneering. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Um, like like you said, I'm Kristen Schroff. I'm the CEO of Prisma. I've, my whole career has been in education. So I actually studied clinical neurobiology in college. So got to education through sort of alternative means, really thinking about how everybody's brain works differently. And, you know, education should be really personalized to each person, right? So I, you know, was studying the brain, um, but then kind of transitioned into education. I was a teacher for several years, um, just at a traditional public school in New York City here in the States. Um, then that was around the time charter schools really started picking up in the U.S. So we started thinking about, you know, what are some different and more innovative ways to educate kids and how can we step outside of the traditional mold? So I was then a founding team member, really designing curriculum at an innovative charter school in New York City. I was there for several years. Then I was accepted into a fellowship program where I got to spend the whole year just traveling the country, studying different innovative school models. What are schools in California doing and in New York and in Texas and in Tennessee and in Minnesota and getting to speak with the leaders, talk to the students, really get to know some of the families at these schools. What do you like about it? What do you not like? What could be better? How do you imagine that, you know, the world of education could be different? Um, From there, I was awarded a charter and got to start uh, my own charter school in New York City. Um, And I was the executive director there for several years. Um, And then when COVID hit, I was introduced to the amazing founders of Prisma, um, Victoria Mm -hmm. Ransom and Alain Chouard. And they really founded Prisma. They had been tech entrepreneurs previously, um, sold a company to Google. And, you know, as their young children were getting to be school age, they started thinking, you know, again, like, how can we break the mold? What do we... You know, what should education really be? What do we believe? And, you know, they started touring some schools and they were seeing, you know, this really intense focus on test prep and all this pressure and memorizing facts when, I mean, 
we all know that you can Google facts now. That's not the most important thing out there. Um, and they saw a couple of really small, you know, really personalized, really project-based, exciting, innovative approaches to education. But, you know, they're all hyper-localized, right? And you get less yeah. exposure to people from different cultures, different communities, and you're really locked into the school schedule. Yeah. There's no flexibility there. So they just started thinking, you know, what if we were to bring education online and to make it innovative and personalized and flexible and interest driven. And, uh, you know, got to talking with them and, you know, it sounded like a really exciting model. I ended up joining, we launched Prisma in 2020. Um, so started with developing curriculum, which is just a really small set of about 30 learners and families who we really innovated with and, you know, tested things out, tried things out, really were yeah doing lots of different models. Um, but the core thing to us was number one, we want kids to love learning. You know, what does it mean when kids really light up and they're excited about learning? And two, actually, when we first started, we started thinking, you know, maybe we want to prepare kids for the jobs of the future. So we did mm. all this research, you know, what are the jobs of the future going to be? How can we prepare kids to be successful in the future? And then we came across the crazy statistic that 65% of kids are going to work in jobs that don't yet exist. And so really, you know, who are we to say we know what the jobs yeah. of the future are? No one does. We don't yeah. know what the jobs of the future will be, but we do know the skills that kids need to be successful in the future. So we really founded Prisma thinking about one, we want kids to love learning, to light up, to be excited about it. But two, we want to prepare them with the skills that they need to thrive in the future. So we mm -hmm. think a lot about this idea of applied curiosity and really this personalized approach to education. What are you interested in? What rabbit holes do you want to go down? How can you make your education really, you know, driven by excitement and zest and passion for learning? Uh, two, we think about an innovator's mindset. So, yeah. you know, real, the realest, deepest learning comes from making and doing and creating things and building things. So our whole curriculum is yeah. really project-based and theme-based, which is exciting. Uh, three, we think about communication and collaboration. And there's nothing more important in this world than, you know, getting to articulate your points and get to know other people and build relationships and, you know, be able to communicate and collaborate really effectively. Yeah. And finally, yeah. this idea of initiative and follow through. So, you know, how do you project manage yourself? How do you set tasks for yourself? How do you set deadlines? You know, traditional schools are often you know, so over scaffolded and rigid in this way, right? Where it's like, here's your yeah. worksheet, you have 15 minutes to do your worksheet, now give it to me. And so we really want to create a space where kids can learn and fail and try new things and really develop those, you know, project management and initiative and follow through skills. They need to be really successful. So yeah. um, I've been with yeah. Prisma since the beginning and I'm currently the CEO. Wow. Can I repeat that back? So for <laughs> Very interesting areas and we'll, we'll unpack sure. these. Applied curiosity, I'm definitely yes. going to be into that applied curiosity uh -huh. innovators mindset yeah which we're very familiar with for my friends out there who are tech entrepreneurs or in digital we're very familiar with this concept because it's been analyzed and you know debated and practiced in so much detail in so many different scenarios all over the world so we love that right. communication and collaboration like absolutely just bang on and one of the things I will say about that is the Gen Z uh, sort of community that I'm engaging with, they are fantastic communicators and mm. collaborators, actually, yeah. uh, in a different way to what we would deem as being, uh, you know, uh, default today. So they do it on social so well and so quickly, and they've got all these hacks and uh, they don't tend to use full sentences. They have, you know, acronyms and various various ways of communicating which is foreign language to many people actually so it is actually their own way of communicating frankly yeah. if you look at reframe it they're actually very good at 
communication and collaboration for their cohorts, for yeah. their cohorts. Where the problem lies, however, is when you come out of your cohort, your ability mm-hmm. to have cross, cross-generational Cross and code switch between different circumstances. Correct, yeah. code switch. Yeah, that's a good good way of putting it. And the fourth area is, you know, that's such an important part about sort of um, the initiatives and follow throughs and um, the uh, you almost have to initiate to have the initiative to, uh, and you have to. That's where the education comes in to then understand right. what it means to follow through. And I and I think. Um, wow, if you're able to do even 10% of, of, of what you've described in each of these areas, uh, you know, I think most parents would bite your arm off, really, uh, figuratively spe- speaking, obviously. And um, so tell us, take us through, uh, you know, firstly, just take us through, um, we'll come back to these, take us through what sort of kids, what sort of children have you got at Prisma and what sort of parents do you have at Prisma? Yeah. Oh gosh. The kids at Prisma are absolutely amazing. They're creative. They're funny. They're silly. They're smart. They're brilliant. Um, So we've got lots of different types of kids and families at Prisma. Cause we find that it's actually been a fit for, you know, lots of different types of families. So it's a, it's a pretty diverse community. Um, We've got a good group of families that um, were homeschooling previously, either because of the pandemic or before, but they really were looking for more community. You know, how do I, you know, get my kids involved with, you know, other kids that they're with really consistently? Of course, you can take courses on out school, but they're here and there. And how do we build relationships, not just with kids in our local community? You know, same thing with homeschooling and with public schools. It can be so hyper local, right? You're like, just like, here you are with just these same kids in your community. But if you bring it online, right? Like you can have best friends all over the country, all over the world, and you really get to understand each other and have these kind of deeper bonds, right? So families that are looking for community have been a great fit for Prisma. You know, families that were homeschooling before, it's a lot of work to like pull in curriculum from all these different sources. And how am I doing it? Am I doing it right? At Prisma, we have this really innovative curated curriculum that, you know, we know meets all the standards that learners need to accomplish, but does so in a really engaging project-based way that's really hands-on with, you know, on-screen and off-screen options. So families looking for that kind of cohesive but engaging curriculum, it's been a great fit for. Um, And families that, you know, they were homeschooling before, but it's like, oh, I'm like not, I don't want to be my child's teacher anymore, right? Mm -hmm. They're getting to an age where all of a sudden, like I'm the one telling them to clean up the room and, you know, clean up the table and do this and do that. And I don't want to also be their teacher. I want like a real educator who's experienced to, you know, come in and really support and be my partner in educating Mm. my child. Um, Mm. So we've seen a lot of homeschool families that find that Prisma has been a great fit. We've got families that for whatever reason, traditional school just, just wasn't a fit either socially or academically. We have learners at Prisma who are really gifted and who are just incredibly bored sitting in a traditional classroom, you know, that's kind of tailored to the middle, you know, they're bored. They want to go at their own pace. They want to do their own things. They want to go fast where they want to go fast, or they want to slow down and dive deep where they want to dive deep. And that, you know, kind of one size fits all model just wasn't working for them or learners that, you know, maybe are twice exceptional and they want to go faster in some areas, but filling gaps in other areas, Prisma is a great fit for, because our curriculum is really flexible, right? If you're a fourth grader in high school geometry, no problem. If you're a seventh grader who needs a little support with reading and catching up, you can go at your own pace and, you know, fill in those academic gaps in a way that you can't in a traditional, you know, brick and mortar model. Um, We've got 
families that are world schooling or that, you know, live in several different locations. So, you know, they're traveling throughout the year. And so the flexibility of our model works really well for them. We've got learners that, you know, do Prisma out of the back of a van sometimes or, you know, in an airport because it can really go with you wherever you want, right? That whole model that, you know, so many people want to work from home or work hybrid or work remote now because they want that flexibility. We offer that to adults, but what about kids? You know, we can, you know, give them that flexibility as well. Yeah. Tell me a bit about the, uh, the sort of age brackets that you, uh, what's your sweet spot? So what sort of age brackets do you really serve here? Yeah. So we start in fourth grade. Um, so us standard really in around third to fourth grade, there's that transition from learning to read. Yeah, to just just to forget learn. because we have an international audience, just to tell us the ages that would be helpful because we have people from Asia. We have people. Yeah, from sure. Europe, yeah. Like nine to 18. Nine to Eight 18. Nine. Wow. Okay. Yep. And and so how does that sort of speak to, because let me first start with all the concerns and then we'll, sure. go, into, yeah. we'll go into the model. Uh, I'm sure. playing devil's advocate. So yeah, you know, the, natural, the, the natural concerns are sort of uh, the first, uh, mo- you know, concern is the social uh, mobilization. And, you know, a school gives you an environment where there's so many kids running around your classroom, there's physical contact six, seven hours a day. Yeah. And, uh, this is, appears to be more digital. So tell us a little bit more about how that works and how do you see that playing itself out? Sure. Um, so a couple answers to that question. First, you know, of course, we embed a ton of different socialization opportunities within our program. So we have daily enrichments where learners can come together. We have a daily stand-up, which is community building. We've got co-working lounges, collaborations on projects. Kids are starting businesses together. We've got learner-led clubs. All of those social things that you find at a traditional school, you also find at Prisma, but it right. is virtual. Um, right. And, you know, also with Prisma, you have a ton of flexibility to do other things during the day. There are homeschool co-ops that you can meet up with. There's Mm -hmm. learners that you can meet up with together in person. We've got a Prisma family-led travel club where families travel all over the world together. We had a group of families go to Costa Rica for almost a month together. Another group of families that are traveling traveling to Italy for a while together. They, you know, drive and fly across the country to meet up together, to do pop-up hubs. So Mm -hmm. you do have a lot of that flexibility within your day. I mean, you do as a parent, need to think about, okay, what kind of in-person socialization am I opportunities am I going to make for my child? Are they going to join a sports team or an arts club? And there's lots of different things that are going on that they can be a part of as well. And then I think the other part of that too is, you know, if you really think about what a traditional school looks like, if you walk into it, you know, how much of it is socialization and how much of it is sitting really quietly in rows, listening to a teacher talk or all writing an essay together, right? Like not all of traditional schools maybe as socialized as as we might think so yeah i think there's lots of yeah. different ways to get that socialization yeah. but i would not downplay its importance it is important for kids to yeah. interact yeah, I mean, I you know, I'm you are preaching to the converted, so I'm trying not to be biased about it and positively biased because I I get what you're doing and I believe in it. I'm just trying to take the other view. Here's another angle, which is so one is a social element. So I think what you're saying, in other words, is over time, and let's let's be let's be fair. This is nascent and it's developing and it's going to get better over time right. and it's it's going to evolve. And as it evolves, because we 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 will evolve. Children will evolve, parents will evolve, our expectations are going to change. And in this AI world that we live in, we will increasingly very quickly start to look for alternative ways of doing things. Mm -hmm. And our children will be sharper, smarter, faster Mm -hmm. in in ways that we cannot even imagine. To your point about the jobs, the 65% of jobs that 
actually don't even exist today. We could take some educated guesses or watch science fiction, think about what they may be, right? Like a prompt engineer is the new hot one for generative AI, but even that is going to last for a couple of years and change. And so the, the other point I would add to your statement is it's not just the jobs that you're, you you might think you want to train your children for, which by the way, again, is, is a blur. It's like, you have to make friends with uncertainty there. It's right. also the fact that these jobs are going to be transient. So they're going to keep changing. It's not going to be the permanent job. Like oh, I do this and you're training yeah. me for this. Yeah. You need to be a lifelong learner and be really agile and able absolutely. to adapt and learn new things, of course. Yeah. And absolutely. And one of the things I love about this form of learning, if it's done right, if it, and I think you're, you're heading in the right direction, one of the few, that it allows you to become ambidextrous. I mean, this is mm-hmm. what we push to the corporations. This is, this is half of my time on this show is spent on educating people on adaptability, agility, flexibility, open-mindedness, um, growth mindset, da 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 and, you know, you, you will not be surprised, but you will know that we have a big battle. In fact, a war we are, we are you know, engaged in right now with the rigidites. The rigidites, like the Luddites, I've made that up. Other people <laughs> are rigid, essentially. Yeah. And they refuse to change and, you know, legacy lovers, right? Mm-hmm. And so technology won't um you know won't spare anyone it'll just happen and if you're not in the game you'll lose out we saw that through covid and i and i as i think about what you're describing whether you like it or not if you're listening to this if another pandemic hits us which is probably likely at some point in the future yes we'll cope much better but think about the structures of the schools you know they just about survived post covid just about and even now, I don't think schools have really changed. I can speak for Europe and UK, not really. I mean, you know, we made a couple, a few more laptops and a few more apps, but yeah. actually it's not groundbreaking innovation. And so mm-hmm. it's still buried in the traditional ways of doing things. So it's not hybrid enough yet. So one of the things that I wanted to ask you was, if you think about, you know, the social aspect, fine, you know, we can debate that all day long and we can come up with a roster of things your children do when they're not learning, for example. Right. Tell, me a little, tell me a little bit more, I'm still playing the sort of darker sides. Tell me a little bit more about uh, use cases where you have children who are struggling with this approach. Like why would someone come in and it wouldn't work for them? I'm sure there have been situations like that too. Yeah, I mean, shockingly, we haven't had too many cases where it hasn't worked out, but there are definitely situations where we have, we think about uh, at Prisma autonomy levels, right? So how independent are you? How mature are you? How much can you work on your own versus how much support you have at home, right? So we have learners at Prisma who their parents go to work all day and they're actually doing Prisma from home and they do it totally independently and they're doing great. We survey our parents, the vast majority of families say they spend less than an hour working with their kids on their Prisma work each day because the kids are so invested and excited about it themselves. But there are kids who maybe have struggles with executive functioning or ADHD, and they need somebody sitting next to them all the time, you know, supporting Mm -hmm. them, helping them, you know, it is a virtual model, right? There are coaches, they are hands-on and they're supportive and they will check in with kids, but they're not sitting right next to them, right? They can't sit down and say like, okay, you have to do this right now. 
or let's get back on track or let's take a break and then get back started again. So when we have learners that are in that kind of lower autonomy section, we find that Prisma works really well for them if they have a parent who's able to sit near them and support them and, and you know, be there with them. But if you kind of run that low autonomy quadrant and your parent, you know, doesn't have capacity or time to really sit with you and support you, then we find that Prisma isn't, isn't yet a fit for families like that. Mm. do you um do you tend to um is this a private school so you charge fees every year for we this do, yeah okay mm-hmm. are you at liberty to share how much that is yeah sure um so our middle school we've got sort of three different programs our middle school which we call fourth through eighth grade is mm. nine thousand seven hundred and fifty us dollars per year the high mm-hmm. school is ten thousand seven hundred fifty us dollars per year and we also have a middle school parent coach program where you get access to the full curriculum to all the live time to all the social experiences but instead of having a learning coach a teacher who's there supporting giving feedback the parent takes on that role and that one's four thousand eight hundred per year okay and you these also online- offer need-based scholarships as well oh you do okay yeah yes. I was gonna ask you that and are these um um so how many kids have you got actually in the school how many pupils you have right now yeah right now we have around 200 200 wow that's a that's a pretty sizable number wow okay and what's the demographic are they all in the you have to be in the u.s can you be anywhere in the world i guess it's virtual so yeah it's virtual you can be anywhere in the world we do about learners spend about half their time doing live sessions and half doing asynchronous work their projects Mm. um during the live sessions it really is more we are we do mostly have us-based time zones now we have a couple families in europe um who do just kind of prisma in like late afternoon it's about 2 p.m to 4 p.m for them that their children are on live and so the morning is when they work on their asynchronous work and we're actually launching in australasia um, this coming january as well so and for families that are just traveling around the world or live in bali australia indonesia we'll have a, a cohort for them as well yeah i'm starting to think that you need to have some representative in the uk or european space because i guess the element that i find is going to be a competitive advantage is if you've got a UK base, for example, I'm just thinking about the application here at some point over the next couple of years, if it takes a couple of years to build out the ecosystem, you will need the social, the physical social aspects of it covered. So like clubs and tennis and sport and stuff. So there'll be some collaborations that will need to happen at a local level. It's a little bit like Steiner school. Like we have Steiner schools here in the UK Mm -hmm. and I'm sure you've heard of Steiner and uh, but they're scarce, right? You'll find like four in all of the UK, mostly right. located in a five to 10 mile radius from London. It could be out right. somewhere in the district, you know, in more rural areas. And you've got to live close to it to be able to go to that school. But again, right. it's not it's not very democratic. It's mm-hmm. not you know, a level playing field, is it? Because, right. you know, if I want to send my daughter or son to it, I'll have to relocate, move somewhere. Hopefully I can afford a property in that area. And then pay to go to that school to give my child the sort of personalized physical uh, school environment that I really wish that they get. But Mm -hmm. it's not it's not quite um, available to and accessible to everyone. But what I think is Prisma can be if you can create that hybrid environment. So I guess is that part of your plan in the future when you think about growing? 
It is part of our future plan. Yeah. Right now we're focused on our our virtual model, but we definitely imagine a world in which we've got pop-up hubs or kind of flexible, almost like a WeWork kind of co-working is, you know, throughout, throughout the world where learners and families can pop in and do their Prisma work together in community. That is part of our longer term vision. We're not there yet, but um, we certainly imagine a world in which that. I, 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 I could, I could see that playing out, you know, even if you're doing a collaboration with co-working spaces today right. who are struggling by the way most of them because yeah. not everyone's going into the, so if if people don't go to work kids could go to school and yeah. you reutilize that space uh, in a very inventive way um i will connect you to someone and this is a pretty relaxed show but you know now we're talking uh entrepreneurship too because you know you yeah. are an entrepreneur <laughs> there's a dear friend of mine who's in the states who i will connect you to and i won't mention him here who's doing some incredible work in repurposing churches and synagogues. So mm. there's unfortunately religion is on the, on the decline as in people don't physically go to the churches and right. uh, places of worship as much as they did. And so there's a lot of, a lot of free space. I am um, very, yeah. I, the charter school that I started in New York, we started in a church in our first year um, did you? for some space. And then we built our own building after that, but yeah. Yeah. And there is, there's a whole social impact piece here because whilst you're doing the virtual element, if there were opportunities for people to congregate and meet together, like young kids or whatever it may be, but the spaces were um, available, affordable, accessible, and you know, you're not competing for like, oh my God, I need that desk or I need that chair. Oh my God, the coffee's run out. And where else could you find that? But, you know, places of worship. And there is something quite, you don't have to be religious, but there's something quite sort of pious, I yeah. guess, about that as well. And uh, anyway, an idea. I will connect you to my my dear friend off the show if you're interested. Yeah, please do. I'd love to. He's building an Uber e- equivalent for that. He's, so it's an app that allows you to use all vacant spaces and places of worship. Oh, in the wow. US. What an interesting idea. Yeah, yeah. I definitely be interested in connecting with him. Yeah, he's brilliant. He's brilliant. Um, I'll do that. So a few more things about the, uh, the, the sort of worrying side, and then we'll go into the fun, exciting parts. Sure. And so um, when you think about a dear friend of ours connected us, right? And so yeah. he, he sends his kids to, to Prisma. And I did ask him, and he was like emphatic about the feedback. And wow, this is incredible. And he did send his kids to private school or independent school, you know, paid school earlier on. And it's more affordable. He said it's more affordable and it's incredible. And the kids love it and we love it and so on and so forth. And he described it beautifully, which is what sort of captivated me and why I requested you to come onto the show. Um, Then again, I want to speak on behalf of some teachers, like the Mm -hmm. teachers in normal schools, not digital schools. You know, they, they will come at you, of course, many of them, I'm sure you've had this a thousand times, with this deep sense of concern and worry about the fact that, you know, surely it's fine for some people, this is okay, and that's that's fine. But surely, you know, curriculum-based education aligned to the national curriculum or the local curriculum is essential. It's essential for teachers to be physically around these children because everyone's dependent on social media apps. Gosh, as a whole there's a whole array of issues that comes from that. You know, our kids are essentially living in virtual worlds. Do we want more of that? Aren't we actually trying to humanize them? That's a word that comes up again and again on this show, by the way, the humanization, especially in relation to AI. What are your general views around that? How would you sort of 
um, provide an input or viewpoint around what I've just described? Yeah. So there's a kind of a couple of different pieces of what you mentioned there. Number one was the national curriculum piece. And at Prisma, it's not just willy nilly, right? You know, we do have all of the competencies and standards that learners need to learn. And we kind of take them and we backwards map them onto a whole year of learning and content. And we are ensuring that our kids are learning exactly what they're meant to be learning that they would be learning in their traditional schools. In fact, at Prisma, our learners actually learn more. So we give um, our learners NWEA map assessments. It's a computer Mm -hmm. adaptive, nationally normed assessment. So it compares learners at Prisma to this huge subset of, you know, learners that have taken this assessment across the world um, in all different grade levels, and it gives them a a scale score. So it says, you know, here you're in the 95th percentile compared to all other kids at your age Mm. in reading. You're growing at the 50th percentile compared to all other kids Mm. at your age level in math. At Prisma, our learners grow 160% of their expected growth in reading each year and 150% of their expected growth in math each year. So we actually see that our learners are you know, learning is accelerated at Prisma because they're getting this this education that's so tailored to their individual level. And, wow. you know, so in addition to growing and, you know, reading and math, which of course are incredibly important, they're also developing these life skills, applied curiosity and innovators mindset, communication and collaboration initiative and follow through. So we mm-hmm. do do both there. That's kind of the first part. And then the second part was about you know, the teacher needing to be with the learners, you know, we actually find it's really interesting. You know, we have amazing educators at Prisma. I'm sure it's the same in the UK as it is in the U S but there's lots of talk. So many educators want to leave the classroom. They want to get out. You know, it's so, Mm. it's so hard. Every time we post a job, we get 500 applicants overnight like that for teachers. So many teachers want to come to Prisma. So we just have the cream of the crop, the best of the best, you know, award-winning you know, teacher of the year, NASA trained scientist, PhD in math, you know, our, our educators, they truly are just exceptional because Mm. teachers know that this is the right model. This like personalized interest-driven relationship-based kind of education. And they say, you know, our, our coaches, they meet with each learner each week, one-on-one, they only have 15 to 20 learners in their cohort. You know, teachers at traditional school may have a hundred kids and they they Mm. never meet them one-on-one you know our coaches are checking in with kids sometimes every day really getting to know them they know the names of their chickens in their backyards and their favorite youtube videos and they have this really deep relationship with each children and that's actually with each child and that's actually one of the things that our coaches say the most is that they they really really know each child and they really are able to build these relationships unlike they what they ever had in in-person school, which is mm. kind of interesting. And then, you know, kind of the third point that you had there about, you know, we want to have these in-person experiences and we don't want just this like AI driven world. I agree. I think in-person socialization is really important and you do get a lot of being in person with other children. And our hope at Prisma is not that kids are glued to a computer from nine to five, like little office <laughs> worker to the briefcase yeah, next to them or something. That's not our vision. You know, of course it's a virtual model. So it's, you know, delivered online, but you know, kids are out in their backyards building a rocket or they're, you mm. know, at a local art center, creating a piece of artwork. They're mm. doing, you know, service learning in their community and volunteering and giving back. And so the idea is that they're not just glued to their computers, that they're out out in the world um, mm. doing great things. And, and I think there also is a bit of a difference between when you think about screen time, there's active screen time and passive screen time, right? So Correct. there's passive yeah. screen time where you're just staring at your phone, kind of scrolling through. 
That's yeah. not what the live time at Prisma is like at all. We don't yeah. have lectures. We have debates. We have discussions. We have escape rooms. We have interactives that they're playing together. You know, they're discussing important world issues. They're talking to each other, engaging with each other, building things together, making things together. So yeah. it's not this idea of, or even in a classroom where you sit there, you listen to somebody lecture at you. Our, when we have learners together during that live time, that's our really big focus on communication and collaboration. So mm. they're always engaging with each other and, and working together and solving problems together and creating things together. So mm. I think that's also a difference there between that active and passive screen time. Have you thought about um, the the business model and the evolution of the learning model in, in the sense that if you think about what you're doing, let's let's assume it's trailblazing for a moment. You know, and I'll give you an example of, I don't know, a great example is OpenAI right now. Yeah. Okay, so OpenAI has been around for a while. It did something, you know, record-breaking in November, and it mm-hmm. brought its chat GPT to the rest of the world to right. make it mainstream. Okay, and it, it's received billions before and more billions after from different companies. Yeah. Now, let's call that a trailblazing company and technology okay and let's put you alongside that in parallel not the same but in parallel mm-hmm. and you're a disruptor right we'll call you a disruptor okay? you're disrupting now one of the things i feel that there is a, a response is a responsibility unfortunately a disruptor does have it's kind of not it's not cool but it's true over time when you realize that you are a trailblazer when you actually realize it and you start to see the momentum and the traction there is the social impact side and there's mm. this, you know, moral side that right. does kick in at some point. And even if you don't want it to kick in, your constituents will make sure it kicks in and it's alive and it's there and it's an issue you've got to deal with at board level and all your stakeholders will care about it. And if you have investors at some point, they'll care about it too, which is, you know, what are you doing ethically to mm. ensure that we don't lose sight of what we originally designed this to be? Right? right, your founders that you named earlier on. And so it's a little bit like what we're doing with AI today and the debate of ethics and regulation and uh, standardization is coming into play at such an aggressive level in Europe more so than even in the United States. Yeah. Um, and so what I wanted to throw at you, it's not an answer I'm looking for, but it's, a, it's just the thought I had, is there is an important uh, sort of responsibility that comes with this sort of trailblazing power that you have self-created it's like your yeah. superpower and i i sense that at some point you will need to start to think about well not just us and me and my brand and we're so amazing and we've got twenty thousand kids it's also taking people along with you not everyone but someone mm-hmm. who might say look i'm a school i get it i be- i believe now and but I need your help, and I'm not just going to abandon my school because I have right. my responsibilities. How do we mesh together? Yeah. How do we help one another? So you'd create a sort of symbiotic system where you're not leaving people behind. You're actually saying, "Hey, come along, yeah, yeah come with come us, along right. onto the bus, come with us." Have you thought about that? Because that's what I think. You know, as an entrepreneur and a thinker, I, that's what plays on my mind. Yeah, no, we definitely have. We imagine a world in which there's lots of different types of prisma right the 
the metaphor that we use is, you know, match.com owns, you know, all these different dating sites, right? You know, there's teachers date teachers and farmers date farmers and all different ethnicities. And, you know, you know, we imagine a world in which there's lots of different types of Prisma, right? Maybe there's a Prisma where we're, you know, providing the curriculum to schools for free to use or different projects or different teacher trainings that we can do on how to build these life skills in learners or here, take one of our, you know, themes or projects and do it with your kids. We imagine that or a world that's, you know, maybe for younger learners or has more intensive online support or more mental health supports built in, or, you know, even more flexible with less live time for families that, you know, really want a totally flexible experience. So we certainly do imagine a world in which, you know, we're able to branch out from just our core kind of, you know, virtual school four through 12, which is what we're focused on now, but, you know, down the road, we do see, we do see a world in which there's lots of different versions of Prisma and ways that we can engage with other communities too. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's going to be super important. And so let's move to sort of the near to long term future. So now you've got about two hundred kids. Um, yep. Can you give me a bit of a sense for the audience? What what does the live platform look like? Is it like a Zoom or what? What is the supplier base? I guess you have like a mesh of different technology solutions plugged in to give you this sort of complete experience. Can you describe that? I know we can't see it today, but can you describe it and tell us where someone can experience it as well? Sure. Um, So yes, we do, you know, deliver our, you know, live lessons via Zoom. We also use the Google suite as well. So everything's really kind of well integrated. And so we curate all of these different projects and resources for learners. And so each mm-hmm. cycle has a different theme. So every nice, six nice. weeks we have a different theme and it's something that really unites all the learners. So we still have this idea of applied curiosity, right? You know, what are you interested? What path do you want to go down? But we have these different themes that bring them all together, right? So I'll give mm-hmm. you an example in our theme, cities of the future, for example, because mm-hmm. we're imagining what the world of the future might be like. And so they start with an exploration phase where we've curated tons of different articles, videos, podcasts, interactives, games. Some learners are really interested in this idea of space. You know, maybe in the future, we'll need to give up on Earth and go to space. And so they're, you know, reading all different articles about the physics of if it's better to live on Mars or on the moon or in an exoplanet or an O'Neill colony. Other learners are, you know, saying, you know, I really want a kinder, more equitable future. And so they're, you know, reading about, you know, how to create more equitable communities. Other learners are really into city planning. So they're learning about how to, you know, design a city. Others are interested in, you know, green architecture. And so they're learning about, you know, what are all the different methods and materials that go into creating a more eco-friendly city in the future. And so they start with this exploration space we create tons of different little mini projects for them. So, you know, maybe you're launching a water rocket off into space or you're doing a Google doodle or, you know, all these different, you know, kind of mini experiences that are hands-on that they can try. And then they choose a bigger project that they want to work on. So, Mm. you know, maybe some learners are, you know, designing their own building. Maybe others are doing an environmental advocacy project where they're going out into their community. Maybe others are building a disaster-proof building. Maybe others are making a art installation for Mm. their community. And Mm. so all these different project options that they can work on as well. And so we curate them all into these kind of theme websites where kids can Mm -hmm. kind of pick and choose what they want to work on. And they copy them into what we call a learning journal, which is this kind of like growing record of their project that their coach can access and give them feedback. Their coaches are going in, checking in with them every day, you know, off, I I had an idea for your project or, Hey, like, what do you think Mm. about this a little differently? Or I have a counter argument for you here, you know, go Mm. 
you know, play devil's advocate for me, um, or, mm-hmm. you know, give me another example here. What if this, and, you know, really checking in with them and pushing them really quite uniquely based on their own project idea and their level and what they know about the learner as well. Mm-hmm. Amazing. So you've got these sort of that personalization is stemming from these different sort of almost repositories of insight that you, I guess, over time, you're doing more and more research around what interests people at different at different age brackets and in, in different cohorts. And how do you tend to tell me a bit about music? Because, uh, you know, I'm a musician. You'll see the guitar at the back. I'm a oh, cool. percussionist. Right. So that's Great. my thing that's outside of all of the other things that I do. Yeah. And so music is ultra important. You know, I'm a big, big fan of music. I, I just two two shows ago. Uh, it's not published. I had the. Um, the female, um, so tabla is the drum I play. It's an Indian drum. You sit on yeah. the floor, you play. It's quite popular these days. Yeah. And the there there is a there's a master of that instrument, a Jap called Zakir Hussain, who everyone knows. And the the woman equivalent, who not many people know, unfortunately, but they will, is a lady called Anuradha Pal, and she's just incredible. She's just an absolute master with with her with her hands and fingers, and she produces sounds like you cannot imagine. And uh, she was, we were talking about the power of music in healing, in mm. thinking, in, in, you know, uh, nurturing and developing and, and so on. So how do you treat music in this virtual environment? How does that work? I'm fascinated. Yeah. So we give learners lots of different opportunities for music. So each learner works on a quest, which is almost like a personal passion project that they're working on. So, you know, I want to become a master at the tabla or at the guitar, you know, and they don't have to choose music. It's one option, right? If they're passionate about it, they can follow that. And they're documenting their progress along the way and reflecting on it with their coach and setting little mini goals. And we're really helping them work towards that, you know, deliberate practice and mastery. Uh, You know, how do I get better and better and better? How do I, you know, find a resource? How do I find a coach? How do I find somebody who can like help me get better and continually give me feedback? So that's one way that we have some learners experiencing music. We yeah. also have a songwriting enrichment. So we've got lots of learners that are into music that are, you know, doing different kinds of digital music or physical music together, writing different songs together, collaborating, or, you know, just sharing mm-hmm. their work with each other. We've got a couple of learner-led music clubs where we have learners that come together. Uh, we've got a musical theater club that meets each week. And so they're doing producing different, you know, musical theater variations live together. And they actually just recently had a big in-person meetup for the whole musical theater group to come together. And um, they did a musical version of um, Tangled, the right. Rapunzel yeah. story. Yeah, um, which is pretty cool. And then, you know, we also within the projects, there's lots of different opportunities for if music is your passion to apply that. Right? We did a remix cycle, which was all about really is anything original or is everything mm-hmm. a spinoff of something else. And so we did an art and music mashup project where you can, you know, you know choose to mash up different inspirations. We mm-hmm. did 8 billion stories where you're telling the story of a culture that you're not a part of through performing arts was another opportunity that you can infuse music. But those are just in the ones that we've got built out. You know, coaches are always open to different ways for learners to use music to express themselves and their projects. And that's really where your passion is. We we always find a way to help apply that to the theme and to show their learning. Yeah. Wow. Brilliant. I love it. And do you also have like the grading system? Do you accept that, you know, there should be a grading system for music? Like grades are very popular in different parts of the world, grade five and grade six and grade seven. Do you do that as well? Uh, no, we don't have like a grading system yeah. for music. We do have a, a badge system where learners right. earn badges for demonstrating mastery of specific concepts or competencies. Okay. And so okay. learners can earn badges, you know, through, you know, for their music yeah. as well, but it's not like a 
94% mastery on this or anything like that. Oh, I see. I see. What percentage of your kids right now are in those? I don't know if you told me, like, where's the most dominant? Are you got? Have you got the 18-year-olds coming to you? Have you got the younger nine to whatever? What sort of age group is most popular in your 200? Um, well, we just launched our ninth through 12th grade, our high school program this past year. So we've got just 50 high school learners and the rest are in the fourth through eighth grade middle school program. Originally, we had the most fourth and fifth graders. And now I think we have a few more. We're a little bit higher in the like six set, like, you know, 12 to 14 range. But it actually is pretty evenly distributed, to be honest, across all of our grades. Um, Yeah, it's pretty evenly distributed, to be honest. We used to have fewer of the um, upper middle school learners. But now since we've launched the high school, we see that, you know, kids and families are staying with us. Yeah. How do you manage and what sort of role do you play with parent support on controlling social media usage outside of because, of course, they get so used to virtual virtual interaction. It's like default for them. So how do you um, how do you ensure that your, you know, your pupils and the parents and you with them are making sure that this doesn't, uh, you know, go outside of the bounds of Prisma into the other apps um, and sometimes it's okay, but it is a problem. It's a systemic problem going yeah. on to, you know, the TikToks and the snap snaps and Snapchats and various others. So do you play a role in that as well? Or do you sort of take a step back? Um, I would say yes and no. So we do have learners um, on, you know, they have Google chat. So they're chatting with each other. We've got lots of different opportunities for them to chat with each other socially in a really safe and moderated way at Prisma. We've got, you know, a cheer squad that's, you know, hyping other kids up in different channels based on their interest. So they really can get that virtual social interaction through our platform, which is nice. So we don't actually see too much of a need for them to go off into spaces that are unmonitored or maybe less safe because we do have that opportunity for them within Prisma. Um, We do also talk to families all the time about social media usage and, you know, how to engage in an online community. So we do a lot with families. We have a, a regular kind of parent speaker series or parent events where we talk about social media usage, you know, parents share best practices, different ideas, suggestions, things that have worked and really help build community around a lot of these things that we know lots of kids and families are struggling with. And that's something that's really special about Prisma too, is we do have this really vibrant parent community where the parents have like really gotten to know each other nicely as well. Mm. And we talked to the kids a lot about it as well. You know, digital wellness is, is one of our core competencies. It's something that we're talking about in every cycle. What does it mean to live a healthy life online? How do you build mm. relationships with people in a virtual world? You know, when you're communicating via chat, how could, you know, something that you're saying potentially be misconstrued or, you know, how can you be really clear with what you're saying and what you mean mm. and be really positive and uplifting? So, um, I wouldn't say it's perfect, right? This is a this is a challenge for kids and teenagers across countries and cultures. And, you know, I, I don't think we're doing it perfectly yet, but we're not shying away from it. And it's definitely something to talk about and bring to the forefront and, you know, continue to work on both as yeah. a whole and an individual case-by-case basis too. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Vision Pro, the Apple ARVR, or should I say the, um, I don't know what they want to call it, the XR device or just the cool device that they've they've launched. And then Meta did the same thing with Quest. And right. there's, there's been so much hype around AR, VR. I remember writing a report about it in 2016 and only now do we see some major significant change. Mm-hmm. Nevertheless, there's just not enough software on these devices. But one day in the future, if it does pick up, 
I'm sure educational will be one of those sectors that will be talked about because, hey, you know, that immersive learning is is the way forward. Yeah. Do you tend to have some sort of a vision or roadmap or do you at board level talk about, you know, either the black swans or the big opportunities that you should be wrapping yourselves around? Because I guess you're actually, a, you're, you know, they, they used to say like traditional companies, oh, we are, we're doing digital transformation, right? And okay. so you're actually a born digital company, aren't you? I mean, a born, born digital brand right. on the ideology of digital as being the cornerstone of your delivery model yeah so it's not as if like oh you know we do it did it physically now we have to bolt this digital thing on it's hard by the way as you can imagine but you you've you've been born in that you're born that way you're you're a digital native company so tell me a bit about your vision for the future like where um where do you see prisma going in terms of the use of innovative technologies now we just talked about chat gpt we talked about arvr as the CEO, what's going on in your head? Yeah, what's going on in my head is that we love, you know, new transformations in technology and we're always open to using them. We're not scared of chat GPT. We're not banning it. We love it. We think it's great. It's an accelerator and then a, you know, a sparker of human curiosity and innovation. And we, we think it's wonderful because we've never asked kids to write five paragraph essays about Romeo and Juliet, you know, so yeah. That's wonderful. Um, in terms of you know VR, I think there's some accessibility issues there too. You know, when there's a world in which you know everybody can have one, we are all for that. Um, I think we also imagine a world in which you know one day we're developing our own you know learning platform with mm. you know a design team and a product team and really transforming there. But, you know, there's so many companies that are doing great things and so much kind of open source technology Mm. that we are happy to use other sources as well. Mm. Do your teachers all work from home, I guess, because they're all delivering, right? So what sort of guidance, uh, this is totally offshoot, but, you know, given that they are, they have to be engaged and they have to be concentrating and they're constantly sort of um, you know, supporting and they'll have to sort of be super adaptable. Sometimes a child is, you know, top of their game. Sometimes they're not feeling so great. So right. they're like, they're, they, like any teacher, they've got to play that role. And now they've also got to do it virtually. And mm-hmm. we saw this with post COVID environments where mostly in the corporate executives really struggle with, you know, zoom fatigue and online fatigue. And, you know, it's, Oh my God, I can't do this again. And zoom yeah. became unlike now, where you and I are having a dialogue, really, but you're proficient with it, and so am I, right? Um, yeah. Because we've got you know years of experience in using this as just the medium that is pretty much in our mind doing what we would be doing face to face, albeit you know I only see you till here, but, you know, <laughs> I see the full you know full version of you, and then of course we'll interact differently. I'll use my hands, you'll use your hands, you'll look left. The body language thing kicks in. But you know, we try our best to use body language here as well to demonstrate that we're active and we're listening. And you know, when we're thinking we might look up there or up there or down there yeah. or whatever it may be. But we we would let's class ourselves as being more experienced practitioners. Mm-hmm. How do you help your teachers? I'm sure they're not all, they might be, but they're not all digital natives. Some of them would mm-hmm. be coming from you describe them as from different fields. What's that onboarding phase or time that you are observing? Um, you know, what's that sort of 
uh, to not time, I hate to say time to productivity is such an awful thing, but you know, yeah. what's that sort of on onboarding period that you think is sensible to get someone feeling really natural and comfortable? Cause not everyone is, let's be fair. Yeah. Let's be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, we find actually, you know, people that gravitate towards wanting to work in a remote role are usually pretty comfortable with technology. But for those that aren't, we do. Number one is, I think, just feeling comfortable with the technology, right? Like, how does Zoom work? How do I change my settings? You know, those kind of basic, how do I do this? How do I, you know, share my screen? How do I, you know, do use all the different features? So we do do an onboarding where we kind of go through all the Zoom and facilitation basics. How do I navigate, you know, our, you know, shared folders within Prisma to find the curriculum that I'm delivering, to find the projects, to really invest kids. So we do lots of um, trainings around that when people are first onboarding. We've got about a two-week onboarding process where they're just kind of learning the ins and outs, both of Prisma and what we believe and the history of the company. And then also, you know, the nitty gritty of how to facilitate. Um, In our first weeks, we have coaches working together in pairs. So a more experienced learning coach with a newer learning coach, a kind of a gradual release model where the you know coach who's been with us for a while is modeling, showing, the other coach is watching. Then the next week, they're kind of co-facilitating. One leads one part, another needs another part. Then in the third week, you know, the newer coach is, is leading, but the more experienced coach is still there to support, you know, jump in, answer questions. Something goes wrong, they can jump in and support them and provide them with feedback after. And, um, you know, our head of schools are popping into sessions all the time. We record all of our sessions. So we run trainings each week where we're looking back at, you know, here's a tricky moment that happened. Like, what could we have done? What could we have done better? How could this be better? Here's something really great that this coach did. What can we all learn from that or take away? And really just that sharing of best practices is kind of, you know, just ingrained into we have a regular Thursday meeting where we're, you know, sharing best practices, things like that. Mm, amazing. How, what's the, the faculty? How many staff do you have right now? 20. 20. Okay. Mm-hmm. 20 staff, 200 kids. And I guess you're recruiting. Yes. Well, uh, not right now, because every time we post a job, it gets filled just like that okay. so quickly. Um, so no, we're fully hired for the, you know, 23, 24 academic okay. year right now. Okay. Um, okay. But, you know, we do add cohorts throughout the year as we add more families. It's, you know, pretty quick, right? We have families that are interested in Prisma. So we open up a cohort, add a coach, and it just kind of snowballs. Okay. okay. And my, my final couple of questions, and then we'll we'll start to move towards the end. Do you have sort of subject specialisms for these teachers? Like, uh, is there someone who's really good? Like you said, someone's a PhD in maths and so on. So do you, do you tend to see these teachers fall into certain primary, secondary specialisms? How do you organize the the capability? What's your capability model there? Yeah, that works a little differently at our middle school and our high school. At our middle school, um, each cohort has a core learning coach who's with them um, for all of their theme projects, and they have a specialized math learning coach as well. We just found that math just happens to be one of those things that, you know, (laughs) it's just so progressing right through, you know, we do, so we do have kind of specialized math learning coaches who work with learners in addition to their core learning coach who works with them on their theme-based projects and all of that. At the high school, we do it a little bit differently as kids are getting older. They've got these really intense academic interests, right? So we have both, we still have that concept of a mentor coach who Mm -hmm. meets with you, kind of sees you holistically across all content areas, who supports with, you know, whatever next step you want to do after high school with planning for that, with connecting you with mentors and internships and designing a capstone project that really showcases something that you're really passionate about. So we still have that concept of a mentor coach, but we also at the high school have academic specialist mentor coaches as well. So a real literacy expert who 
is, you know, working with the literacy projects and giving feedback on literacy, a science expert who's really challenging mm-hmm. kids and physics and chemistry and physical science and biology and environmental science, a math expert who's, you know, taught everything from differential algebraic equations to, you know, remedial math, who's, yeah. who's supporting all learners at their level. Wow. Okay. Amazing. I, I feel like I need to re-educate myself. <laughs> I just need to be 25 years younger. <laughs> so that's the difference. Well, it sounds and, like we have two budding prismarians in your house. Oh yeah. Place. Yeah, totally. I mean, <laughs> oh my God, it's a discussion that I'm going to have with my wife and, and of course, mm-hmm. all of the, the friends that I have here. And you certainly want to be setting up in the UK. That's for sure. As part of your, your growth plans and uh, give me a shout when you decide to do that. I'll absolutely help. And um, final few things really is uh, to do with, um, you know, this, um, the the changing geopolitical landscape, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of inequity in the world right now and countries that are going through a tough time. If you look at Ukraine, you know, it's been decimated here in the UK because we are close uh, close to, to Ukraine physically as well from a proximity standpoint. We see you know, you know, people coming over from there really struggled with with what's going on, and the world has its dark sides. You know, yeah. and so have you been thinking about? And I'm not saying you should do this; they're certainly not holding you to it. But at some point, when you master this model, you know what you are doing can have just seismic social impact yeah. uh, outside of, of course, commercial value that you're making money on. And there, there could be people all around the world in different parts of the world who could be educated in a way, in a joined up, consistent way with the power of technology that mm-hmm. they can't do today. I mean, they do go onto YouTube and all of the free things that you can do. But of course, you're you're providing a very different experience that's right. stitching all of that together. And so there are hundreds of millions of children who don't get educated. I mean, if I just take India, because I know it, there's still, I mean, it's a very wealthy country, but, you know, 1.4 billion people, 600 million people still live on $3 a day. And in that cohort, you'll have a lot of children who are going through very, very difficult, um, challenging, uh, you know, upbringing and uh, aren't fully educated and so on and so forth. And whilst there's so much charitable work going on in the world, you are delivering this in a very powerful virtual way. And not that I'm, I'm even going to go close to comparing you to Zuckerberg's message when he first launched Facebook, because it's you are you're not comparable to that. You're doing something in my mind way more powerful and impactful. Sorry, Zuckerberg, but um, when he did launch Facebook, his core message then, which was a nice message, was this leveling uh, leveling off. Um, and equalizing the world where, you know, people can connect with one another. And of course, a lot of good things happen with that platform uprisings and, you know, geopolitical change. Um, what I'd urge you to think about, you don't have to answer this, but, you know, I'm sure you have a response, is that some stage in your future, and I think this is very important for investors and and people who are parents as well, who join join your world, essentially, right. you sign up to your world, to know that, this is not just for the few who can afford $10,000 a month or year, should I say, you know, it's also for those who cannot afford it. And I know you talked about scholarships, but even beyond that. So I think that is so beautiful and so compelling whenever you're ready. And I think a foundation of some sort with the Prisma model is uh, waiting to be created. So you wake up in the morning feeling like, of course, you're making a difference to, to young children, but actually you're making a difference to people in parts of the world where education would be, um, you know, 
far-fetched you know not even fantasy uh, just right. just not not even in the mix of reality because of the struggles that those young children are going through and you're changing that game so i i really feel excited about what you're doing sorry i'm throwing this stuff in but i feel so no, excited about the power of your your model if as and when it sort of goes to that level um do you have a board do you have like a board or an advisory board that you've built and how do you get that sort of external guidance yeah, we do have a, a very small board now, you know, just our founders. Um, so so pretty small right now, but we do definitely hope to grow an advisory board as we continue to grow and to think through things like that. We absolutely imagine a world in which there's a Prisma Foundation in which we can give back, not just through, you know, need-based scholarships, but also maybe through partnerships with different organizations like Correct. boys and girls yeah. clubs or other places that are doing doing this great work, but providing yeah. the education arm to it, right? Or providing, you know, the resources, the internet, the, um, you know, laptops or whatever they would need to access Prisma. And then the coaches, right, are are in the cloud. They're right there. So we just need that. You know, there's so many great places that are providing these supports for learners. And it would be so easy for us to plug in the education part of it in these in these instances so yeah definitely would love to do that in the future and it's something that we've we've thought about a little bit as well yeah so last few uh, we'll have a chat offline Uh, last few uh, minutes what would you say to the ardent skeptic the parent um, assuming that they there's potential for them to send their kid to your school Um, and what, what what words would you leave that ardent skeptic with right now I think I would ask them is, are they 100% sure that their child's education is preparing them for the world of the future? Are they sure that their child's education is the best possible use of their time? It's, is there a world in which they could do things differently, have more time together as a family in those, you know, as a parent myself, I know those years, they, it's going to go by so fast. You could have more time together as a family. You could have more flexibility and you could have an education that's really engaging and exciting and preparing your kid for the future. It's a risk, right? It's a change. It's not, it's not the norm. And so I would say if you're willing to, to take that risk to get the rewards of maybe your kid loving learning more and getting that time as a family together and doing things differently, then, then Prisma is the place to do it. Cause we have an amazing group of entrepreneur risk taker families that are really living their best life and kids that are excited about learning and passionate and really going to develop into, into, you know, the leaders of the world in the future. So I would say, give it a shot if you want to take a risk on something. Wow. That's a, that's, I think that's a fair message. And I think that'll definitely get a lot of people thinking differently uh, yeah. Because I think when you said, are you, are you sure? Are you really sure? Are you hundred percent sure? Of course you're not, you know, yeah. and actually deep down, everyone knows that they're not really satisfied with the system. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, albeit it's free or they're paying for it and they just don't have the know-how or, or the, the awareness or the wherewithal or the courage sometimes yeah. to try and break the the fold. And that's no different to anyone who's trying to do the something new for the first yeah. time. And when it get, when your kids are involved, it starts to get a little bit more scary, doesn't it? Because you're like, oh my God, I'm responsible for the future of this, this child. And I'm yeah, like, on a, I am I doing this up. on a whim? Yeah. yeah, I don't want to screw this up. Am I doing I it on a whim? You know? And so I, I, I have to tell you that I love what you're doing. I, I know it's early stages, you know, as an entrepreneur, I can sense what you're doing and I've done my own work. I know it's early stages in terms of adoption and global reach and you're developing the model as well 
I think the demand for what you're creating is way greater than than we know. And I think you know it because that's why you're leading the, you know, captaining the ship, essentially. <laughs> so congratulations to you and every one of those 200 um, children and uh, the 400 parents or whatever the number of parents may be these days. I don't know. Yeah. And um you know, I wish you all the success. We'd love you to come back regularly on the show, if that's okay, because we'd love to track the journey, right? Just figure out what you're doing. We also have, um, I'd love to bring you into something called the the uh, start, uh, the uh, Straight Talk Mavericks group, which oh, is a WhatsApp okay. group where we have about 90 or so ex-speakers. And like you, they they come from different walks of life. And that could be a great way for you, not just to to promote what you do and educate and raise awareness and handle yeah. people's fears and concerns and stuff, and but get some really strong champions and supporters who believe in this, but haven't just just haven't managed to create it themselves. Basically, yeah, I'd absolutely and, love uh, to. I'm honored. Yeah, I'd love to come yeah. back and love to be part of the group. Yeah, and uh, and I'll pull you into that group. Actually, I'll, we'll swap numbers in a minute. I'll pull yeah. you into that group. So. Um, listen, it's uh, Kristen. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I've learned loads. I'm going to go off and do some digging. Um, mm-hmm. Treat us like your friends. We're here to promote and support your mission because it's about our, our next few generations. And it, it matters to me personally. It's my, my big focus for my life. And having being a parent like you, similar age kids, it's uh, it's what we do day in, day out. And so you're making a difference and you know, you have my full support. So you just let us know how you need that. You need our help. And we have 30,000 straight talkers out there who'll watch this at some point who will want to reach out to you. So I want to close by asking you to tell us how people can discover more about uh, Prisma, like a website, any other contact details. Yeah, sure. So our website is join Prisma, J O I N P R I S M A.com. Um, yep. So you can learn a ton there. You can, you know, sign up to talk with us. There's a joinprisma.com slash talk dash with dot us to mm-hmm. sign up for a time to talk to someone on our team to learn more tons on our website. And uh, you can always email us at info at joinprisma.com as well. Amazing. Well, it's been a real pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much, Kristen. Look after yourself. Uh, keep smiling. I love your energy and you've just, you know, it's, it's brilliant what you're doing, uh, no doubt. And we'll have you back on the show very, very soon. Looking uh, so forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. This is Af signing off. Be well. Have a wonderful week ahead, and I'll see you on the next show. And do support Prisma. It's a very, very important cause. Thank you. Thank you.